Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I recognize and honor the divine teachings of all religions. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And we've got a question today from a listener. It's quite a long question, but it's a juicy one. And we know it's juicy because Jane and I started to discuss it a bit before the show and immediately started arguing, which (laughs) (laughs) which just goes to show that there's probably going to be a range of different opinions on this subject. And it's a subject which I know many of you out there are facing, um, particularly here in Australia where we are, which is such a, you know, multiracial, multicultural, um, you know, country that's just, we are such a melting pot of so many cultures and religions and beautiful, rich backgrounds that, of course, it happens every now and then, doesn't it, Love Doctor, that two people will meet and fall in love who come from completely diverse backgrounds. Oh, it does. Happens all the time. And, of course, we've seen a lot of that here in Australia where we had, you know, in the 50s and 60s, we had a lot of uh, migrants from uh, Greece and from Italy who were often uh, the children of the migrants were forbidden from from marrying outside of their culture. Then, of course, in the 70s and 80s, we had a lot of migrants from Asia, and the same thing has happened. It seems to be a real battle for the the children of the migrants. Mm. Um, Thankfully, what we're now seeing, of course, is by the third generation, by the grandchildren, it's just they're all Aussies. Yeah. Um, But, look, I want to start this boat by saying I do not believe I have the answer. Now, normally when we deliver a, a question that one of our listeners has given us, I've got a very clear idea of where I want to go with the advice. I actually on this one don't believe I've got the answer, but I do believe I've got some different points that I want to share that could help somebody to perhaps potentially try and get on the same page yeah. with with a different culture. Yeah, disclaimer, asterisks at the bottom. Yeah. I don't have the answer either. <laughs> but it's such a deep and interesting question. And it is a little bit of a long question, but I want to read all of it so that you can all hear the scenario that this particular reader is in. And it's funny because I'm, I've got girlfriends as well, Italian and Greek and so forth, and, and I know that they've gone through exactly the same thing in, in their lives. So anyway, I'll begin the question and ha- have a listen. So she writes to say, I've been with my partner for two and a half years. We talked about getting engaged this year, but I put him off as I have not got my family on board. I am Jewish and he is Catholic. My parents strongly oppose our relationship and only include him in family events on the basis that they consider it a short-term relationship and not a permanent one. I am not religious. I consider myself more of a cultural Jew. I attended a Jewish school. I've lived in Israel and I've observed the festivals and I've always been a devout member of my family, but I've become less so over the years, as I've found, I do not relate to my religion as much as in the past. However, it is still an important part of my identity. My partner is a practicing Catholic. He insists that he wants us to marry in a Catholic church and raise our children as Catholics. I am not keen on either of these things, but I'm willing to do so for the sake of our relationship. I would like us to have two weddings, one Catholic and one secular. My parents would not attend a church wedding and are extremely upset at the idea of Catholic grandchildren. I've indicated that I want us to continue practicing Jewish traditions, but yes, the children would be Catholic, as I think raising children with two religions is too confusing for children. I'm saddened that my children will not be Jewish, but I love my partner and I want to make it work. So, you know, she goes on to say, my partner's very giving and supportive. He's a good man. It's very hard for me knowing my parents disapprove of the relationship. You know, what what does she do? This is such a conundrum because wherever she she turns, she's getting disapproval from someone very intimate to her that she loves. It's either the man she wants to marry or it's her own mum and dad. 
And they're all basically saying whichever choice she wants to make for her own heart, they will not respect or they will not honour. Mm. It's abandonment. Ooh. It's bullying. <laughs> it is. <sighs> we are free to make our own choices in life. However, having said that, what I would question is what is religion to each person individually? Because it means very different things to each person. So is it about the celebration of the traditions? Is it about the lessons from the book that is applicable to their denomination or their religion? So, for example, I've read many beautiful spiritual or different religious books over the years. I haven't read them all, but I've read lots. And they all have so many common themes. They are all beautiful, beautiful books. And when you get to the guts of what each religion is trying to teach, trying to help people to embrace, to be and to live, they're all saying the same thing. So if it's about the teachings of their book, then I would look at having a conversation with each person about what is it, what is being Jewish, what does that mean to you? What is the important things that you would want our grandchildren, your grandchildren are our children, to be learning about this religion? What is it that you want them to be from this religion? At the same time, you might find that it's actually just about the traditions. It's not actually about the teachings. Is it about, well, we don't want to celebrate Christmas Day because that's not Jewish? Or is it that we want to celebrate Easter because that's Catholic? So is it possible to have all of the ceremonies from both both denominations honoured and scheduled and celebrated within the family dynamics? Such a sticky one because people get this stuff, like they take it incredibly personally. Without I mean, thinking though, it's just a reaction. In a much lesser version, I remember when I got married, my brother-in-law was so offended by the fact I wasn't taking the fa- his family's name, my husband's name. Yes. Um, and you know, I don't know why, you know, my own husband didn't care. I don't know why his brother had such a big issue with it. But it's kind of the same. I can understand that was such a small microcosm. And in situations like this where there's whole religions involved, which are going to involve baptisms, christenings, you know, rites of passage, you know. But they are rites of passage, but it doesn't mean that you only are allowed one rite of passage. Well, Absolutely. So I was born Catholic and raised until about the age of, I think I was about 12 or 13, when my parents stopped going to church. Um, there were a few things that occurred in my teenage years that I strongly disagreed about, which was involving um, the Catholic church. Um, and then as an adult, I decided to... Uh, be re- I was confirmed then as Anglican. One of the, look, th- this is just my personal thing and it's not for anyone else. I don't want to become a preacher here. However, it was the things that were really bothering me was that I had a lot of friends that were, um, gay, lesbian or transgender. And they, it really bothered me that they weren't allowed to take Holy Communion in the Catholic Church. I just don't understand that because love is love and everyone should be able to have the facility to walk into any church and receive the con- connection with the divine. So that bothered me. The second thing that really bothered me was I just didn't understand why the leaders of the church were not able to marry. To me, that seemed weird, and that could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> we won't go there. 
The third thing that really bothered me was why females couldn't be ordained. I just did not. It just it wasn't that I was trying to be rebellious on any of these things. It just didn't make sense. Didn't make sense to me. Mm. So then I went church shopping. I was going every Sunday to a different church to to watch the service, listen to the sermon, see where it was a home that I could feel comfortable. And I walked into this beautiful cathedral that had a female, uh, I think she was a deacon, which is studying to become a priest. And she gave the sermon that day and I went, hallelujah, I'm home. So then I did my Bible studies there and then I became confirmed there. Cut long story short, I actually had a real problem there because I went to do some charity work there and set up a breakfast, uh, free breakfast service, um, which this uh, lovely deacon, well, she's now priest, was very supportive of. She got an appointment in England and so I was left to do with the head priest who said, oh, we don't want that sort here. When I said that we were going to set up a homeless breakfast and I'd organised the food to be donated, I'd organised the volunteers, and I just, my heart just broke because I thought, this isn't, this isn't the church that I want to be a part of either. The question is, Jane, were you in love more with the with that cool female inspiring leader yeah, in the pulpit totally. than you were with the religion? Yeah, totally. You followed a person, not the not that's the... right. However, the beliefs of both of those religions are still that the parts that I resonate with me as the truth are still with me, and I will happily celebrate in either style. But then, since then, I've now. Re- <laughs> gone the full thing and now I am spiritual of the universe which embraces every culture so from there I started reading about Kabbalah and the Quran and all sorts of different books Mm. and they each teach us something so amazing Buddhism so I'm I'm getting a little off topic here for this couple you're not so it just goes back to the fact that all of these teachings at their very core are a vibration or a frequency, and I can only presume it's the frequency of love, I mean, and maybe some other things as well, but they all were channeled or brought to the earth as divine harmonies or vibrations that people could tap into and recognize and say, ah, that feels good, that's the truth of why I'm here, that's love, that's connection to source. Now, packaged around those vibrations are lots of words and lots of human, you know, this human interpretation human came into the equation. So we've got ego, we've got hierarchy, we've got money, we've got insecurity, we've got all of these things, arrogance, and we've got buildings, and we've got organisations and administrations and bureaucracies and governments and whole cities and things that have been designed around these original vibrations, which, of course, as we all know, I know that everyone listening to this podcast show realises this. I mean, everyone's done, there's been such a very, very big backlash to religion so much in the last few decades. And uh, religion obviously continues to power on. And I think that those of you that still identify and keep tenets of religion are the ones who've been able to set aside a lot of that crap in your mind and just reconnect with the original vibration. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. Right. So this is what I'm thinking the conversation needs to look like with the, with the parents, with the in-laws, with the um, potential fiance is that what does religion look like to you individually? Let's get to the guts of it. What does it mean? We believe in God. Okay, that needs to be taught to our children. Uh, we believe in, you just list all, whatever, I'm reluctant to go down this path of what it could be because 
I'd be writing my own Bible, wouldn't I? We don't want to put the words into your mouth either because it's such an individualistic process. Yes, exactly. But it needs to be what does religion mean to you? And you write it out. And this is a discussion. It's not an argument. It's a sharing of each person's innermost, deepest, heartfelt, true beliefs that must be respected. If somebody says something that displeases you of what religion means to them, that's not for you to judge. It is for you to listen to and honour that that is their interpretation of what works for them. And as you hear each person's individual interpretation, you see if there are some links that you can join together, like the Olympic rings, the five rings of the Olympics. Join together these links to form a beautiful guideline of how these grandchildren and children could be raised that each person involved is going to be comfortable and happy that the connection with the divine is going to be achieved. Yeah. It, it's it, going to take an openness, though, you know, and, and, and it, the, the problem is the reaction, isn't it, that, you know, you just say the, say the word Catholic and people are going to have huge opinions. Mm. You say the word Jewish and they have huge opinions or yeah. any other religion. But if, if we look at the, the girl at the centre of all of this spinning <laughs> crap, okay, all of this, yep, let's this get drama. self-love. Well, yep. yeah, because there's a lot of um, she's in a very heavily loaded kind of a stalemate or checkmate situation with all of these main players all around her. And there's a lot of language in here I, I'm seeing in, in her letter where she seems to be conceding a lot. So, you know, she's using words like, well, you know, I'm willing to sacrifice that, you know, for the sake of the relationship or, or I'm willing to give away my religion or I'm willing to do this and that. But then, oh, but then there's the drama. But then mummy and daddy won't be at the church for me and then I won't be seen and heard and valued and honoured by my parents and that they're going to, you know, they, where am I going with this? I think that she needs to sit down and be very, very, very clear about what's important to her. What is important to her and her belief systems in this lifetime because as we all know, at the end of the day, no matter how close they are and how impressive they are and how domineering they are, mum and dad and our husband or loved one, you know, they can't live your life for you. They're off living their own stories with their own beliefs and their own, you know, all of the reasons that have made them who they are. But at the end of the day, this woman's got to wake up with herself every single morning for the rest of her life and she's got to be happy with the life she's living and the choices that she's made. And it's so much better for her to do that pattern interrupt or that, sorry, it's more like an intervention, like now where she gets clear on this stuff now before it's five years, ten years down the line and everything just gets messier and stickier because she never worked out her boundaries and parameters and, and how to honour herself in amongst this process and she's being pushed around like seagrass under the ocean by all of these powers that be around her. This was something that I saw, as I touched on at the beginning, I saw a lot of in the late 70s and 80s when I was in my late teens and then early 20s, uh, mid-80s, was where I had a lot of um, girlfriends that I met through the workforce because in those days the school that you went to was all very middle-class Anglo-Saxon, you know, that was a different world to what it is here in Australia now. Um, and so I, ha- I started to have these beautiful friends that were the children of the migrants that were Italian or Greek, and one beautiful Greek friend who was just never allowed out with me. Um, we only saw each other at work, and she desperately wanted to be able to come out and go to a nightclub or go out to dinner and just wasn't allowed. And the strength that I had to watch her embrace the fear that she had to overcome to stand up to her parents to live her life the way she wanted to live it 
was extraordinary. And the common thing that happened with a lot of these people too, and I'm not sure, see, this is migrants, which is often, which could be different if these, we don't know where these emails come from. Could be anywhere. Um, yeah, we don't know what country she's Yeah, from. that's right. <clears throat> see, Jewish and Catholic would be very common in the U.S., um, no, she's, she's using Australian spelling. <laughs> oh, is she? Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. But what I watched happen was parents who were hanging on to a way of life that was how it was in the old country and assuming that's how it is here. But if they'd gone back to their old country, they would have found that things had changed and that the daughters of the children were going to nightclubs and that the girls did have more freedom than yeah. than they have. And so she was trapped in this time warp. I understand. It's a big um, thing here in Australia where so many of the Italians and Greeks that came in the 50s came from the poorest peasant villages, yes. you know, and that's from a time that was only just out of Mussolini and World War II and the Depression, all of that that first half of the century that had defined so much struggle and pain, a lot of anger in families. There was alcoholism. There was domestic violence. There was a lot of submission of wives to husbands. There was very strong Catholic, obviously, backbone to it all. There very was matriarchal, um, um, very fear-based. Machismo. And if your husband died and you were 50, you'd wear black for the rest of your life till you were 100, till you died, and, you know, all of that kind of thing. And that was all completely transplanted here. And so many of those people obviously never had the money or the means to really get back to Italy and never, as Jane is saying, obviously the whole world has kept evolving and, and modernising and, and Italy being no exception. And But, yes, there is a lot of time warp stuff still happening here where where foreign or ethnic cultures get transplanted to countries so far away from their own that they maintain yeah, the old vibration, yes, yes, basically. Yes. And so, yes, so then we've got these massive conflicts where these younger kids are trying to integrate and assimilate with, of course, peer pressure and, you know, they just want to be loved and accepted by their peers and all of that's going on. But, and the parents, and I see this in this letter that we've got here, particularly where the girl's so worried about her Jewish mum and dad who are just not going to attend a church wedding and not going to approve of these grandchildren and da-da-da-da-da. And that's just it's them. identical. They're just in so much fear about what everyone else is going to think about us. We don't want to be ostracized by our church, our community, our social groups, mm. our family, friends. You know, it's all just insecurity about what will people think is what mm. we're dealing with here. It is. It's a challenge of the old way of living. And, uh, it's there's no real answers to this because look I'm sorry you kind of got to be a bit the, the only answer I have is that she's actually got to step up and Correct. be an adult it's like it's your life and you've got to embrace what you choose and this is really and harsh but it's like mum and dad that's your shit that's your insecurities that's your stuff it's uh, this has nothing to do with me disrespecting your religion or our religion or my religion this is about you trying to govern or control my adult self's choices, and it's just not allowed. But, you know, this isn't restricted to religion. This is in any family. They're all university educated, and so the children are expected to go to university, and one of the kids is, is not a Rhodes Scholar, and he really doesn't enjoy study, and he wants to use his hands. He wants to go off and be a builder or a carpenter or a plumber or, or motor mechanic or whatever, but something that is deemed less than. How often you know, do there's we the see culture, this? We see that. It's the same yeah, battle. All the time. And the reason I want to give these examples is I want to give this girl good role modeling because she will know of people that have had this battle in her own circle in other ways. If it hasn't been a religious battle, be like, it's still been the battle the, of independence. The kid was born gay and it's just not, exactly. not oh on. Oh, my gosh, yes, All exactly. That sort of stuff. It, it's any, any child that wants to surpass their parents. What about like, you know, this? there are parents that want their children to be successful and they certainly are validated and live their lives being validated through their children. 
But what about those that then won't allow the child to be more successful than they are and they will belittle them and, and almost sort of sabot- sabotage them so that they don't surpass the adult, hold them back, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so as you look at these different examples of, of youth, of, and I say youth, I think she's in her early 20s, um, mid-20s, look around and find role models within your network that you know have had to fight hard to do something that their parents didn't want to. The girl who wants to be a hairdresser, but she has to find a part-time job because it's going to cost her X number of money to get through a three-year apprenticeship and they've come from a family that just don't have money that she's expected to leave school at 15 and get out and get a job, but she's got a dream and she's going to pursue it or the person that wants to be the first to go to university in their family and the sacrifices that have to be made there. Look at those battles. Look at how did those people achieve that and try and take the power from those examples to apply here because this is you, this is your life and the one thing you do not want to do is be using the word tolerate, you know, or tolerance. If you tolerate something, so if you tolerate that I'm, you're going to compromise on various different things here, if you're going to tolerate the husband's lack of support for your religion, if you're going to tolerate the in-laws' lack of support, if you're going to tolerate your parents' lack of support for your husband, then you're a ticking time bomb waiting to explode because tolerance cannot be sustained for a lifetime. It does. You either accept or you reject. You have no choice. Tolerance is is toxic. Yeah, it absolutely simmers away and, and it leads to resentment. And on that note, I'd say, look, there are red flags being waved to me here. I'm, I'm reading this sentence. My partner insists that he wants us to marry in a Catholic church and raise our children as Catholics. Insists. Insists. Now, I'm getting a red flag right there. Yeah, well, me too. Can this dude sit down with you, look you in the eyes and feel your heart and honor your truth? He's a dude. <laughs> Catholic dude. He's our Aussie Beck. <laughs> like, seriously. Are you sh- I know, I know, but I love him. Well, yeah, but how is this going to work for the next 70 years if every time you have a really, really strong feeling about something, he's not even willing to listen? I mean, forget religion. How's that going to work for, hey, I just got the best ever job opportunity in Melbourne or Paris or Tokyo. Can we move there for six months? No. You know, or, or even something smaller. I, I'm just really uncomfortable living in this house. I feel like we need to move and start, you know, concentrating on, on a bigger dream there or, uh, you know, a relocation. No. What I want to be cautious of here is that, look, I'm almost wondering if this beautiful woman has been very much dominated by parents her life, whole life, and I'm also wondering if this is the first time that she has faced a conflict that she can't people-please her way out of. Well, and I'm thinking if she's only ever grown up with parents telling her what to do, she's she's effectively grown up and moved away from that, but she's attracted in the same scenario with a husband who now wants to, you know, in a really, yes. really nice sugar-coated way, tell her what to do as well. And yes. she's still, the universe is giving her the same message over and over till she steps up and owns her own yeah. stuff, honours herself and stands up for herself with some healthy parameters and self-love. Yeah, this is about true self-empowerment and not giving your power away to others, but actually lovingly, kindly, compassionately, firmly, strongly speaking your truth. So I think we've just established, Jane, that this actually isn't about religion at all. (laughs) 
you know, that's just the excuse. Because like we said earlier, it could be anything. It could that's be, right. I don't want to do this or I don't want to have a gay child or I don't want, you know, my, my son to be a plumber or I don't want my, right. my son to be a ballerina or whatever it is. It's actually not about that stuff. It's about people's insecurities, people's fears, people blocking you and what are you going to do about it? Like I said earlier, when you're the one that's got to get up with yourself every morning for the rest of your life. This is about authentic living. This is what all of our podcasts are about, is how to live authentic for you, not for anybody else, but for you. What is your truth? What is it that you desire? There is no wrong or right here. It is only what you desire. And likewise, it's what anybody else desires. But I would really look at the role that uh, she's also played in, has she been the perfect child? Has she been the child that has continued to work hard and strive hard to please the parents and now working hard and striving hard to please the potential fiancé. And, you know, is that serving you? If so, there is a lack of power in that and we would refer you back to the People Pleasing podcast and oh, there's a lot of podcasts there to help with that because it's a challenge that many women face because we are brought up to be nice, nice girls, nice, passive pleasing, non-aggressive, go with the flow. You know, we have fear of conflict. We have fear of speaking our truth. We have fear of standing up for ourselves. We have fear of the word no. We have fear of of saying something that we know is in opposition to what another's opinion is. All of those fears, and they do need to be addressed. And at some point, this is almost like moving into adulthood. Now, I think, did she say she's about 25 or so? 26. 26, yeah. Um, you know, moving into adulthood. Now, I know that many cultures would say you're moving to adulthood at 15 or 18 or 21, but I think that moving into adulthood is often late 20s into 30s into 40s and oh, 51. I think I'm still working. <laughs> yeah, I think that another thing to realise as you do grow up is you can never please 100% of the people 100% of the time. It's a, it's a mathematical impossibility. You're going to have to understand that you're going to do stuff in life that there's always going to be someone who doesn't like it. And it's about thickening up your skin and saying, well, too bad because I have to live with me. And then once you make that decision, it is also then about respecting that you are consciously aware now that your actions or your your road that you're going down is likely to offend another. So you then become discreet about it. You don't hide, but you definitely don't flaunt. And so, for example, if you're, you choose to raise the children Jewish and the Catholic grandparents come over and you've got all the Jewish, now I don't know much about Jewism, so excuse me, but, but the beautiful candles that they'll have on the tables that's symbolic of Jewism, you would probably not maybe have those on the table when they're there. It's not to disrespect your religion, but it's just not to flaunt it. You want to not be poking poking fingers at the person to press buttons continually. Like don't deliberately go and be obtuse and obnoxious and start fights over it. Yeah, that's right. So once you win, you then have to be a gracious winner. Yeah. And a gracious winner is somebody who is kind and compassionate about somebody who hasn't perhaps had things go the way they would have liked them to have gone. Mm. And you know what? At the end of the day, I think everybody listening knows what's going to happen is that these children are going to grow up and choose whatever they bloody want. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what you indoctrinate with them for the first 20 years of their life. Honestly, it doesn't. We all, we've all, well, Jane's just illustrated she's been through about three plus religions in her. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Years. You know, we go through, we have to find our own true selves. And, you know. Well, Kabbalah became one of my favorites teaching me about the ego. Mm. That's an amazing 
religion for ego. Oh, Incredible. Go. I didn't know that. Incredible. Um, so this is a this is about a power play going on between a bunch of adults. What are the best interests for the children? Well, the best interests for the children are that they get equal access to both sets of grandparents. Everybody loves them and supports them and honors, honors them for whoever they are, no matter what belief system they're being raised in or what school they're being put through or you know, this and really, I think like a bilingual family where one parent, you know, native languages is not English and the other is English, and there's lucky children grow up bilingual. Imagine growing up with two beautiful spiritual, cultural religions to, to understand and follow. Oh, that that is amazing. It's a glass half full way to look at it because think of the richness. I think know of the richness of both. It is celebration every weekend. You get a holiday every second. That's exactly right. Every second week. No, I think it's incredible. I would love to have known more about all the different religions um, growing up. I think that's it's it's empowering and fascinating. And yeah, and I think that the more that, it, that you can combine them, I think I think it's a beautiful well, understanding thing. that every single one of the founders of these religions are ascended masters. Mm-hmm. Banam. You know, and we've actually got open access to them all now. So have a chat with whichever one you want to. All right. I recognize and honor the divine teachings of all religions. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're on the wellnesscouch.com every Wednesday for free. It's our half hour podcast show. You can find us on iTunes as well. Jump on Facebook to send us your questions, which is facebook.com forward slash love hyphen life. Oh, sorry. Oh, start again. Start again. Mm-hmm. Facebook.com forward slash love life show. That's all one word. We love to hear from you. Just send us a direct private message because we know some of your topics are a bit deep. Thanks for all the beautiful, lovely feedback we've been getting from all around the world. We love you guys. We love doing this show. And until next week, have a beautiful and divine connected week. Life is perfect. I'm not trying. It's just happening.